The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Love it. Come out here and prove to everybody that I'm still learning, man. I'm, I'm a student of the game. Swanson, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to UFC Unfiltered. Uh, Matt is away. Is he in Australia? He is in Australia, uh, so I, I don't think he's here this week at all. And uh, Jamie, thank you for sitting in. Jamie English. Appreciate you. Uh, now, have you? Who is the uh, who is the fighter you were talking to who got like a little weird with you? Is that uh, Justin Willis? Yeah, it was uh, K- no Curtis Blades was it? Curtis Blades got. Was it him? No, I, I, who was it that got with uh, you? Who's like, oh, you should have done your homework. I thought that was him. I don't know. Was it, you might be right. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Curtis Blades. Oh, okay. Wow, I, th- I think I got the wrong information on that. Now, have you guys made up or spoken since? No, he doesn't care about me. Okay, <laughs> that's fine. He doesn't care about me either. All right. I hope you guys. Uh, I hope you don't see him and have a problem. That's he's a big dude. He really is a big dude. Um, and we also have Cub Swanson uh, calling in, um, and Cub is fighting Crone Gracie, and they are fighting when. Is it October fifth? Is it? I think so. I should. Pro- it's probably right in front of me, but I don't have my glasses on. I'm going blind as an older man. Know, October, October 12th. 12th okay, yeah. Fight Night 161 in Tampa. That's turning out to be a really, really interesting card. Um, and I guess we will also talk... And, and Matt is uh, going to Skype in. I hope he's going to Skype or call in. Good. We'll see how he likes it, being on Skype. Hey. I, he hasn't done it yet. He's only called in, or I, I've only Skyped in. I, te- I detect some revenge here, Jim. You know, I just want to see how he feels about it. Okay. He's always good to me when I'm on. Of course. But I call him when I'm driving. Were you, were you here when I was driving? Yeah, I was, yeah. And I, I, and I said this to you off the air. You look like, people can't see Jamie because uh, you always have the beard, but the length of your beard and your hair, and I said this before, you look like Harlan in the 70s. It's a good look. You look younger. <laughs> I appreciate that, Jim. Thank yeah. you. That's what I was going for, the Carlin look. You were. I was. Yeah, it worked. Very it's effective. Back. <laughs> it is. Yeah, every 40 years or something, something <laughs> comes around and comes back. Yeah. How's, uh, how's training? Very good, thank you, mate. Very good. Yeah. And you said you had somebody who was who was kind of being discussed in the in in the Gilbert Burns uh, uh, fight uh, against uh, Gunnar Nelson. And what happened with that? They just gave it to Gilbert. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not uh, involved in all the conversations, but one of my guys from Henzo's, his name's uh, Joao Zafarino, a very accomplished guy. Um, he was in the mix to potentially replace the opponent that pulled out. Oh, okay. um, but then they, they went with Ben. So. He looked great. I mean, uh, how much time did he have? Not a lot. Uh, 
He had a very, I guess, not a lot of time to get ready. And Gunnar Nelson is so is so deadly, but he Gilbert did a lot of damage with those calf kicks. Those are yeah. really, really effective. And I guess because he's, uh, I, I, you know, I th- he's comfortable on the ground. Obviously, yes. he wasn't really necessarily worried about um, Gunnar Nelson taking him down. Right. A lot of guys wouldn't want to throw kicks like that at Gunnar Nelson because he's going to put you right. on the ground. Yeah. But they said both guys kind of. You, you could see the first round they were kind of finishing the out because both guys wanted to avoid being on their backs. Uh, it was a really, really interesting fight, and uh, you know, not at all a, a, a beating, but I thought uh, I, I thought that uh, Gilbert clearly won. Yeah, yeah, lessons to be learned for sure for uh, Gunny moving forward. I think because he's got a lot of experience. I know him personally; like a very nice lad, very, very talented. Yeah, um, he's always had a very unique style as well. But you got you got to make the adjustments, and I thought that that camp coming in, like you said, on short notice made a good strategy and uh, implemented it very well considering who they were fighting on such short notice. Do you think those calf kicks were effective? Because he, you know, he really, he leads so much on his, uh, on, on, his, on his leg. I mean, he's always bouncing forward on that leg, like further than most people in kind of a karate stance and he beat the shit out of his calf. Yeah, it's a, it's a strategy we've seen um, developed over the years, particularly now that um, you, you've seen its success in other, in other fights. It's just harder to take those kicks and absorb them when it's lower on the leg, just generally, obviously, the calf muscle is a lot smaller and more fragile than the thigh muscle. So they're going for that kind of upper calf strike. It's harder to catch. And when you do get kicked there hard, it's hard to keep your balance too. So it's definitely a weapon, I feel, is uh, is becoming more and more uh, justified by people looking to create that, and at least a lot of damage with a very light amount of kicks. Even one of my guys, um, when he fought MSG last time, um, you know, he caught his opponent just a couple of times on the calf, and at the end of the fight, he was complaining about his leg, and it was only two or three kicks. That's not normal. Usually, it takes right. a lot more kicks to create that kind of impact. But on the lower leg, it's definitely a lot less. Yeah, exactly. And when you see impressive. guys like when you see a guy get kicked in the lower leg, and then his leg goes back or it like shoots, it's like you know that hurt. Yeah. For a fighter to pull his leg back or to actually be knocked back physically by a leg kick, yeah, I love when people get knocked down with leg kicks. It's just it's such a great. Because it's something that you so don't like. You have to really hit somebody hard for them to go down due to a leg kick or in the right place. Yes. So watching a guy get his legs, I think that's my favorite thing to watch in MMA is guys who kick legs, yeah. just because it looks so fucking painful. Uh, and it's such a, it's something I th- like. I convinced myself that if I trained, I could do it. Like I could never probably punch very hard. <laughs> I don't want to wrestle around jujitsu, but I could probably kick a guy's leg and then back off. Like that, I'm more comfortable with. Yeah, it's a it, for me. Um, it's a potent weapon. If you can develop that, like Gaethje, like uh, Jose Aldo oh. did, if you can develop that kind of weapon, you're always going to put it in your opponent's mind. It's going to be, a, I think you're winning psychologically before the bell even rings, you know? And certain guys stop doing it after a while. Like Aldo doesn't kick like he used to. Even Edson Barbosa doesn't kick like he used to. And are they falling into the Cormier thing where Cormier said in his last fight, he said, I just, it felt too good to punch. That's why he didn't wrestle. Is it, is it that there's something about they don't want to be taken down? Like did, did, did Barbosa get like a little... I guess after fighting, uh, I guess Habib and, and and Kevin Lee, did he say fuck these these kicks are making me a little vulnerable to a takedown, or is it one of those things where it just feels good to stand up there and box? I don't know why Jose Aldo throws so many less kicks than he used to. Yeah, that's a really good question. I think it I think it would be a more uh, accurately answered by individuals. I don't know if it's a collective answer, but I do think what you're saying is true. Like people do back away sometimes from what works with them, right? Um, and I think that's multiple stuff. Maybe for a fight camp, like you said, they strategize not to do that because it might not be the most beneficial strategy, but then they don't implement it for the next one. It kind of gets 
putting the back burner a little bit and you sometimes you do go away from the things that work for you yeah did you see the uh the main event uh was uh jared kennedy or against jack hermanson and uh, what what are you pointing at Oh, uh, just tell me. Yeah, okay. Uh, okay. Oh, cool. he, he, he's literally point, he's pointing. <laughs> it's, it's the way somebody points when they see like a flying saucer. It was like a silent, <laughs> wide-eyed pointing. I'm like, what's happening? It's a clock. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> what's that up there? I, I didn't know what you. Oh, I see the, the FaceTime is up. Okay, we'll talk to him. Oh, God, am I not good? I'm, I'm really just awful. Cub, how you doing, man? <laughs> what's going on, guys? Um, how's everything? Uh, everything's good. Um, are you fighting Colin Grace? You're on, you're on a bit of a uh, uh, you've had a couple of fights in a row that haven't gone your way. Uh, how, how did the Corona fight come up? Uh, they were they asked me to take the fight on short notice in Anaheim, and I was like, uh, you know, things are kind of hectic right now. But yeah, you know, because I don't really like saying no. Um, you know, fights a fight, and, and so we said we take it, and then he changed his mind. And then they said the fight was off. And then they said, hey, uh, do you want to do it in October? And I was like, yeah, it's fine. More just, time, more time to prepare. It's fine with me. Does the short notice fight worry you sometime? Because don't forget, they haven't had time to prepare for you either. Um, and, and, you know, when you looked at like Iaquinta against Habib, there was, that was a very, very short notice fight. And people were like, well, Iaquinta did so well because Habib didn't have, but also, uh, you know, Habib didn't have time to prepare for him either. So it does kind of work both ways, unless you had no camp at all. I guess because Iaquinta already had a camp because he was fighting Paul Felder. Um, when they first asked you, were you in a camp for somebody else or were you completely not ready? No, I had just gotten done with my last fight and I was kind of, I had promised my wife that we, you know, take some time off and, and, you know, not do much. So I was in that mode getting, getting a little chunky and, and not training. So, uh, that, that was the concern. And for me, I don't really like short notice fights cause I feel like the fans expect, uh, a certain me to show up, uh, in good shape, always ready to scrap. And I just don't know if, if, if I can be the best me on short notice. And does it concern you when you have a couple losses in a row? I mean, uh, two of the three were decisions, so it was like you were in those fights the entire time. And I know fighters, especially a guy like you with a very long career, you go through great periods, you go through other periods where things aren't going well for you. So what do you do for yourself mentally to kind of get yourself into, okay, this is this is a new fight and it's a new camp, and how do you prepare yourself or get yourself out of that uh, a funk? Well, it's, it's a constant learning experience because when you have, you know, a long career like I have, it's the reasons why you're doing the sport and the reasons why you're losing or winning fights is completely different than 10 years ago. So uh, I think as you're constantly evolving as a fighter and as a human, the, you know, it changes. And so every fight's a, a different path, a different journey. Uh, this fight in particular kind of, you know, uh, brings up some old memories and kind of takes me back. So it's been exciting and fun to, you know, really get up for this one. Uh, when did you get married and and how long, and how long have you had children for? I know it's all fairly recent, no? Yeah, yeah, it's been, it's been fairly recent. Um, yeah, that, you know, that's almost a trick question. When did you get married? But yeah, I do know. Oh, you never want to, you never want to ask the <laughs> guy that. First. That's a question. Yeah. You, you ask the wife and the guy will the nod yeah. properly. Yeah, that she's correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I got married uh, last year. You know, uh, we, we had a daughter. She's two years old. She just turned two. And then we wanted to have one more really quick. Uh, we were both, me and Kendra were both, you know, 35. Didn't want to wait too long to have kids. And so... 
we were like, let's have one more. And then we ended up having twins. So that, that kind of threw us uh, for a loop, you know, having, we have three kids in diapers right now. So, oh. <laughs> you know, the marriage, the, the three kids, it's been an adjustment and, and, you know, that's something that I, you know, I've said, I haven't, you know, done so well at, cause I'm trying to be great at two things. I'm trying to be a great fighter and a great father. And, uh, I'm learning to balance those things. Um, but I wouldn't change anything. So now when you step into the cage, it's for the peace and quiet and the relaxation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like this morning as my normal routine. I had to get all three of them up because my wife is, is getting up in the middle of the night to feed the babies. Um, so I get up first and I, I'm changing diapers and, and getting them in the playroom. And then I, you know, take my vitamins and make my breakfast and get ready for the day. So, yeah, I got a whole routine now. Was it one of those things? Is it scarier than you thought it was or not as scary as you thought it was going to be? Because fatherhood terrifies me. <laughs> yeah, I think the terrifying things are, are the things that are going to be in the future right now. They're just, you know, babies, as long as they don't bump their head and or get super sick. It's just more time consuming. Um, I don't go to the movies or do anything fun. Um, <laughs> the only time I really get out of the house is the train or go, you know, help train partners. Uh, and what time are you waking up now? Like, are, are you good at like, if you have to train, are you good at like doing a, a night feeding or whatever? Or do you sleep in a different room and tell your wife, like, I got, I got to get up and train? Or are you just kind of splitting it? Um, I've done, I've tried everything, you know, just whatever I feel like is working for me at that time when they were a little bit, uh, smaller and they were waking up all through the night and they were sleeping in the room. I did sleep in a different room, uh, when I had to, um, but you know, we we're, we're partners in this and, and we split everything. So now that I have a fight, you know, that's getting real close. She's taking on a lot more, letting me do my thing. Um, and yeah, the twins, you, I guess you found out before, are they, uh, identical or fraternal? What, what fraternal means? Like the, the identical, obviously they look like a fraternal is like one, like a boy and a girl. Yeah. So, well, fraternal could be a boy and a boy or girl and a girl as well. It's just that, uh, it's two eggs get fertilized. Uh, and so they don't share DNA, whereas they are identical. My boys are identical. So it was one egg and then magically it split into two. So they have the same DNA. So it's a little different. And how did you feel when you heard twins? <laughs> uh, we were super bummed out at the at the moment because uh, we kept joking around about yeah, it's going to be twins because we really only we wanted two. We were you know we're both logical people and uh, one was starting to get easy and we were like we could have one more if if they start getting out of control at a restaurant we could just pick them up and leave you know it, it's it's two on two. And so when, when they said it was twins, we were just like, damn, <laughs> you know, uh, that's, you know, three car seats, you know, uh, it's just, it's just, we're outnumbered. So it, it can be challenging, but it, it's fun. It is funny that you were honest and you said like, yeah, we were bummed out. <laughs> you know, for, we were like, oh shit, that's, that's a lot more work. That extra baby is a lot more work. It, it is, you know, but, um, I've had a lot of people come up to me that, that say they have twins and they're like, yeah, once you get past the diapers and the, and, and, you know, and the baby uh, part, they kind of entertain themselves. So uh, like right now I have them upstairs in the playroom and, and uh, they're just kind of playing up there. I changed their diaper, got them in there. And uh, so they're, they're entertaining themselves. Uh, now, how do you prepare? Obviously, uh, you know, you fought every kind of fighter you can. And Crone is uh, 5-0, and and uh, he has had submission after submission. So you know what his strategy is probably going to be. 
Yeah. Does that does that make it easier or harder for you? If a guy is so good at jujitsu. He's so good on the ground. You know what he's going to try to do. Um, does that make it a more difficult uh, plan for you uh, as opposed to fighting somebody who who you have no idea what they're going to do? Um, it can be a little bit boring in camp just because you have to really focus and fight a certain type of fight um whereas if you know somebody's willing to go anywhere with you it can be creative it could be fun you just do what you do um but but for this fight uh you know it's been fun i've been able to get a lot of jujitsu in um you know because he's a gracie and he has the name it's it's been uh it's been an interesting one i've been uh kicked out of a couple jujitsu schools uh you have why you know uh, because of the respect that they don't want to train somebody that uh, right. is a Gracie, which right. which really pisses me off. Uh, oh, you mean recently because you because you're fighting a Gracie? Yes, yes. Oh, wow. How do they tell you that they don't want to train you? Like, what, how how do they say that? How do they approach you with that? Yeah, I wouldn't say that uh, to you. <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, just by message. Uh, they were like, "Hey, you know what? It's probably best that you don't you know train here for this camp. We don't want to make people feel uncomfortable." And I just, you know, it's okay. They, they really it just, thought it would make pe- people uncomfortable if you were training to fight a Gracie? That doesn't make sense. I mean, I, I believe you. I don't know why would they take it that way you're fighting. Because, you know, it, it, this is what I mean by it takes me back is because, um, you know, when I got into jiu-jitsu as a sport, it, it helped save my life. I was, I was going down the wrong path. People know the story. Uh, I was getting into trouble and... I found jujitsu. I fell in love, and and I just competed all the time, and uh, it became a passion. I was, I was really interested in the Gracie family and what they did, and huge honor and respect to, uh, to them. And then I kind of, after competing and doing all that, I learned the politics of the sport and how uh, ridiculous it could be, and and it kind of left a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth, um, and that's why I started doing more MMA. It, it reminded me of the politics of the sport and how uh, ridiculous it is sometimes. Are you, well, you at one point said that you were debating Zufa boxing and that you were kind of thinking about doing some uh, uh, some pure boxing. Is that something that still interests you? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, a little bit less now because um, I, I am older and, uh, I'm, you know, don't know if I want to just, you know, have tons and tons of strikes to the head. Uh, boxing, is, it's inevitable. Um, but I, I spar pro boxers all the time, uh, getting ready for my fights. I, you know, we have some of the best of the best at my boxing gym in India with Joel Diaz. And, and I know that I would do very well at boxing. Uh, I think at this point though, I'm, um, I'm focusing on, you know, my MMA career unless some big fight came up. When did you fight in, uh, Tijuana in those, uh, I- I started fighting in Tijuana in 2004. I, I was training in Palm Springs, only jujitsu at the time. And uh, I was asking for a fight. And, you know, back in the day, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't really something you did unless you were training for a long time, especially where I was from. Um, so I was, you know, people tried to talk me out of it, uh, told me I was a little too green because I, I had only been training about a year. Um, and, but I did. Uh, I, I was able to get a fight in Tijuana, and and that kind of started my career. Uh, so you weren't living down there. You were you were just going in to fight. You weren't spending actually long amounts of time in Tijuana. You were just kind of going down, fighting, coming back. 
Yeah, because uh, the sport didn't get sanctioned in California until 2006. So there was two years uh, of my pro career where I had to either go to Mexico or fight on an Indian reservation. And that's how we did it in those days. Were you fighting on Indian reservations too? Yeah, I, I started uh, my first three fights were in Tijuana. And then I moved over to Saboba Casino uh, for King of the Cage. And that's a little closer to my house. Oh, wait, so they were allowed to, like, even it, it didn't matter what the state sanctioned, they were allowed to sanction or not sanction uh, sports in, in, in their community? Yeah, you, they still can. They still can right. do unsanctioned events in, on Indian reservations. Oh, that's awesome. It, uh, yes and no, because, <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes there, there's some really, you know, I fought on the same card, I think, as like Joey Villasenor and and uh, Diego Sanchez and all these guys. Um, but on the on the undercards, they got some real freak shows. You know, they, there was times where people would pull out of fights and, and they'd be like, anybody in the crowd want to fight this person? And then some drunk guy would be, you know, would tell their buddy, hey, come on, you can beat this guy. And then some guy would go in there half drunk and get beat up. Oh, did he? Yeah, did the, did, now, did the guy from the audience ever win? <laughs> Uh, not that I can remember. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think they ever wanted to fight either. They It's just their friends kind of were like, yeah, yeah, you could totally beat this guy. And they're a few drinks in. And so just by peer pressure, they would go in there and, you know, fight a guy that's been training for, you know, eight weeks. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so they wind up, it just they get their ass kicked. It's funny how people's ego will take over. And it's like, just mm -hmm. say no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just say I mean, you know. That used to happen to me too. So when I started, and I'm sure this happens to a lot of people, but as soon as I started training and fighting um, and I would go out with my friends because I wanted to still have my same life, I just wouldn't drink. I would, you know, take a water or a Gatorade with me. And if a fight was breaking out, they'd be like, they'd be like, well, come we'll fight him. And I'm like, this guy's 6'4", 250. I'm not going to fight this guy. Like, I, I think I could still beat him, but that's not the point. I'm not going to fight this guy. Like... <laughs> Did you? So I would be like, no. You you would actually say no. Yeah, I would say no because it's ridiculous. I mean, as soon as I started training, I had like zero desire to get in a street fight. I guess that's the way it is too. Guys who can handle themselves and who actually know how to fight like professionally have no interest in beating some guy up on the train or in public. It's just you know, it, it's like it, it becomes a, not not a very pleasant option. Yeah, I never thought it was cool to beat up someone who didn't know how to fight. Like, what yeah. challenge is that? You know, I'm fighting, yeah. you know, people that train every day, and, you know, and we have a scheduled bout, and it's very honorable, uh, and, and I respected that, and, and I didn't want to try to beat up somebody who was drunk. Yeah, I, I, I always noticed that with training was, like, the more you, the more capable you became, the more humility it afforded you because you recognize, like, what's the point in getting involved in something that doesn't want pay you in, in terms of financially if you're a pro and also socially, like, what does that do for you? It doesn't look good. And you're supposed to be representing yourself in a certain way. And then on top of that, um, like Cub said, like, there's just, it's just your, your desire goes away from that aspect of things. And I think you put your attention on the things that really matter, you know? Yeah. Exactly. Could I ask a question, Cub? <laughs> You know, we were talking yeah. a little bit about the boxing and stuff before, and something that's been curious to me, especially a man with your um, of your caliber, a person who's been in the game for such a long time and has such a, a depth of experience in terms of preparing for fights. Um, I've been having a discussion recently with some of my uh, colleagues. Um, I'm a coach myself, so my question is, 
in terms of sparring with people, do you still spar? Um, would you consider hard with people, like go hard sparring regularly? Or is the, is the training a little different for you now with the fact that you have a tremendous amount of experience? I Yeah, I definitely spar hard. I just don't do it as often. Right. Uh, we do a lot of technical sparring, uh, which I find my timing um, gets so much better and it slows things down. Um, but I do go hard because it's kind of like doing sprints. You know, you got to do it. Right. Uh, but I tell them, I don't have any fear telling my coaches no. Um, and I'll explain a reason. And I'm, and it's always up for debate. You know, right. uh, I feel like that's something I learned a long time ago when I got injured at Jackson's a long time ago. Um, that I, I'm willing to say no and I'm willing to challenge my coach. And, but I'm also open for a discussion. You, you know, I'll tell you why I don't want, I don't think it's necessary. You tell me why you think it's necessary and let's, let's debate. Let's meet in the middle. Let's have an open communication. But generally I like to spar, um, hard once a week, once every other week, depending on where I'm at, how fight camp is going. Um, if, if I really, you know, I got a tough fight coming up, then, then, if it's like a war, if I'm expecting a war, then it's going to be, you know, uh, definitely every week. Uh, and, and if I feel like it's more of a, a stick and move type fight, then, then I'm going to do it less because I feel like I could get more technical sparring in. You know, it's a, when you fight a guy again like Crone, who's got such experience grappling, and and, he's, and you know he's a he's a uh, a world class uh, grappler, but he lost three times to Sergio Moraes grappling. He lost to Gilbert, so he's fought guys that I'm sure you're familiar with. Does that does that mean anything to you? Do you go back and watch that stuff too? Because you know he's probably going to try to grapple, even though it's a different. Uh, you, you have a different set of weapons you're allowed to use where, when you, in your fight. Do you go back and watch that type of stuff as well on your opponent? If he's been so um, heavy grappling uh, in, in his career? I, I've, I mainly stuck to his fights, um, you know, because that's, that's going to show what he's going to do mostly. Um, but if there's any move in particular that we get stuck on during a fight, then we go back and watch uh, some grappling matches and see, like, okay, how did he change uh, why is he making this adjustment? Um, you know, because it's different. When you're getting hit, you you know, things change. So uh, uh, we will go, you know, watch that footage, but it, it's it's only for, you know, particular reasons. There's something in, in particular you might want to see. Um, yeah, because being 5-0, and and again, he's a, he's a veteran fighter in a way, but he's only, he's relatively new to MMA and, and to what you've been doing for a long time. And when you watch a guy like Frankie Edgar fight Yaya Rodriguez, it was such, and Yaya was, I mean, he's still a good fighter, but you look at what a, what a veteran does to somebody who is newer to the sport, how Frankie just knew what he might not be prepared for and what style of fight he might not be able to handle. Do you think that kind of goes into your preparation too? Like you've, been, you've fought everybody, you've fought every style, you've seen guys, uh, you know, jujitsu, black, there's nothing you haven't seen yet. Yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, Frankie Edgar's, got amazing fight iq uh i i think he's uh you know fights way past his physical capability i think he's tough but you know he's he's not the best wrestler not the best uh striker by far but he always gets the job done so i've always uh been very impressed with him um but yeah i feel like i'm on that same boat i got tons of experience um there's been some times where i just you know want to have fun out there and not you know be the most technical 
Um, but fights like this, I need to be technical. I think I need to not show him any respect uh, when it comes to getting comfortable and just, you know, start punching him in the face. I, I also am a black belt. Uh, I've gotten criticized for my jiu-jitsu before, but um, I wasn't able to always roll with the best of the best uh, grapplers because I was focusing on my striking. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I feel I feel like I'm the best fighter that I've ever been. been uh, unfortunate that I've had some losses and I haven't been able to show that. But, uh, you know, this is another chance to make a statement. And, you know, against a, a, a Gracie, I think it's an honor for me. Also, when you look at his fights, too, I think of the five professional, or the, I should say MMA, he's had one go into the second round. Um, so uh, is it tempting for you to want to test his gas tank a little bit and, and see how far he can go uh, and maybe try to pull him into the third round or, or to get him deep into the second round and see how, uh, how he holds up? Um, I, I, think his, I think his gas tank's going to hold up because, you know, if you, if you follow him, he does the triathlons and um, he's supposed to be a master breather. Uh, so... I would imagine that he he does fine going into the distance, and he's not very explosive uh, if you if you pay attention. So I think he paces himself. So I think um, I'm going to have to you know hit him from the very beginning all the way to the end. And uh, if I see the opportunities to to hit him a little harder without him trying to get under my punches, then then I'm going to go for the knockout. Uh, and what what is a master breather? Because I I I I'm an awful breather. So what like what do you consider uh, just guys that do breathe? Do you breathe? Do breathing exercises? I mean, I'm 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 shitty at breathing. If that makes any sense. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's a lot of different methods. You know, a lot of people are, know about the Wim Hof method, and yeah. uh, I, you know, there's there's all different other people that that do it, and they debate on the style. But he's somebody that takes it seriously. I do know that, and he gets that from his dad. Um, you know, somebody else could explain it better, but I, I've, I've done it before, um, like a variation of a Wim Hof method. And it's, it's the only time I've ever been able to really meditate, uh, was, was really just doing intense breathing, holding my breath and then kind of letting everything go. Um, I, I think it's amazing that people can do that. And he's somebody that I know takes that very serious. Yeah, I guess that really helps. I, I, is, is he the is, is Wim Hof the one who sits in the ice water? Yeah, yeah. Oh, fucking crazy! Insane, I've yeah. tried doing that. I, like not like that. I've gone like into a spa and I try to just <laughs> dip my feet in. And how anybody yeah. control? I don't know how controlled breathing helps you with that, but apparently it does. Yeah, that's what I'm seeing. Yeah, well, yeah. we did a we did a drill that was really cool. I was over at Tenth uh, Planet right here by my house, um, and we they were on a whim and they were like, check this out. Um, everyone take a drink of water, hold it in your mouth. We're going to go this next round, um, with, you know, holding the water in your mouth and you have to breathe through your nose. So you're going to grapple very controlled. And that was an amazing experience. Just, just having to, to do that. Um, and I had gotten, we were, we were in a scramble, me and the guy I was with, and I got caught in a guillotine for a second. And I had to, had to think like, man, I can't swallow this water and, you know, fight this guillotine, and, and I was able to. And at the end of the class, only you know a handful of people didn't swallow the water or spit it out. And uh, I, I I thought that was really cool. Did it occur to you to swallow it and then just keep your cheeks puffed and pretend? <laughs> uh, 
No, because I'm I'm not a cheater. Yeah. Oh, all right, fair yeah. enough. See, that's what I would have done. Now, the whole nose breathing <laughs> thing, because I have very bad sinuses. I'm sure you've had your nose broken, and you've had things where you can't breathe in a fight. So you, you I guess you have to learn to breathe through your mouth when, when need be. Yeah, well, the whole deviated septum uh, thing is because, you know, I get hit in the nose quite a bit. Um, it, it's weird because one side can be completely blocked off, but the other side is just like extra wide. So I don't know, maybe I'm getting, you know, just as good of air just one through one nostril. Does that throw you? Can you breathe like that for me? I become obsessed with it, but can, can you actually breathe or do you try just not to think of it when you're in that situation? No, the crazy thing is sometimes uh, it, it gets moved over so much when I'm boxing sparring just because the, the boxers have a really good jab um, that I have to like stick a toothbrush or my finger up there and, and try to move it over because it's it's jammed up so high it makes me sneeze like uncontrollably. So I just have to I have to try to move it back. That might be the most amazing thing I've heard in all the fighters I've interviewed is that you might put a toothbrush in your nose and move your septum. Yeah. Well, see, that's that's the difference between, you know, fighters that came up a little bit, uh, you know, back in the day versus the fighters now. You know, the fighters now, a lot of them coming up just want to be famous. They're not really about that life. And uh, for my second fight in Tijuana, uh, my gym only used to be open four days a week. You know, it was just a regular jiu-jitsu school and that's all we did. And so I had to do all these other things to prepare. So me and one of my training partners are like, hey, let's just go to the park and roll. So me and him are rolling in the grass at the park and I end up hitting the sprinkler and splitting my knee all the way to the bone. And I'm thinking, oh, damn, I'm two and a half weeks out from my fight. I can't get stitches because all I do is jujitsu and roll. And so I can't be on my knees. And so I was trying to think and I'm thinking, what would Rambo do? <laughs> so I go back to, to my house and I get a butter knife and I tell my brother, hey, I'm going to stick this on the stove. I want you to cauterize it. And, and so he's like, OK. And so I, I heat up the knife and then he goes to I, I want him to stick the knife in the cut and burn it. And then I'll just, you know, take care of it, wrap it up, and I can keep training. And so he, he sticks the butter knife flat on my cut, and it basically opens the cut more. <laughs> and I was like, I, you know, it burned the hell out of me. And I was like, idiot. <laughs> and so I took it from him, and I had to do it again and actually go into the cut. And then, yeah, I, I kept it clean. I kept the ice bandage and, and uh, you know, kept it wrapped up, and I was able to train. And then it scabbed up really bad. and But yeah, I wouldn't have been able to fight. But that's, at the time, I thought that was like the smart thing to do. But looking back, I'm like, all right, maybe I was a little crazy. I stand corrected. The, uh, the toothbrush is the second most <laughs> incredible thing I ever heard. You put a hot butter knife in your own open wound just so you could fight. But you're right. That's the difference. You're an older school guy. And, and uh, young guys probably want to run off to the ENT and get everything fixed. And you're like, fuck it, I'll do it myself. And you just jam it up your nose. And you actually did move your septum over a little bit? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I do it all the time. Um, one time I, I had to do it with a toothbrush. I had to get a fine one with a, more of a rubber uh, bottom so that way it wouldn't hurt as much because the plastic kind of hurts. Um, but yeah, I moved it over quite a bit and I started getting a bloody nose. But yeah, you, you know, I, it's going to keep getting broken or pushed over. So I just, you know, do what I got to do. Eventually, when I'm done fighting, I'll, I'll get, you know, surgery on it. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. When you finish fighting, you probably just get it set one more time and then you'll be good. Yeah, yeah. 
Right, listen, man, we love talking to you. Obviously, good luck against Crone Gracie. That, that's, a, that's a really, really interesting matchup. And I'm glad you had a full camp before um, and, and time to train for it. And, uh, you know, as opposed to taking something like if something happens last minute, regardless of who wins, uh, you're always like, well, if they had had a full camp, you know. So it's nice that you guys both had a full camp to, yeah, to prepare. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Thank you. I'm excited for this one. Uh, you know, uh, me and him competed when we were uh, blue belts. So... <laughs> You know that was 15 years ago, so it's uh, it's it's exciting to get this one in. Awesome. All right, man. Well, good luck. And that is uh, let me just make sure I got the date. That is October the 12th in uh, in Tampa. Uh, that's a really really great card. And uh, and good luck, man. Fight night 161. And uh, we're looking forward to it. Thanks, Cobb. Thanks, guys. All right. and congratulations it. on the the twins. Yeah, congrats. Man. Thank you. Thank you. All right. See you later, man. Bye bye. All right. Later. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed. Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Yeah, that really is an old school mentality. I mean, uh, the, the idea of putting a toothbrush in your nose and moving it. <laughs> yeah. Like, I can't conceive of doing that to myself. Right. Well, I think he said something earlier, and uh, he, 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 um, he was talking about his history, his past. And uh, if you do know anything about that, he, he had a tough upbringing. And you can just see it as well. It's like it represents itself in the attitude you take towards your training. Like, you know, you're a survivor. You're going to make it. And that's why I think it's one of the reasons he's been in the game for so long. Right. Because he's... He's built that way, you know. Uh, what, what made you start training? Um, I just I was always interested in it, you know. Like when I was a kid um, growing up, um, it wasn't terribly rough, but there was definitely a lot of uh, violence around, you know what I mean? It was there. And I always was interested in looking after myself. So that's why I started. Well, well, look who it is. <laughs> Hi, guys. Hey, buddy. What time is it where you are? Hey, Matt. Oh, it is. What time is it by you? It is 1.01 p.m. Uh, oh, it's one one p.m. here, too. I'm I'm in a I'm in like New Hyde Park in Long Island. I'm going <laughs> to the airport now. Oh, you're going to the airport. Okay. I'm packing the mini. This is what I'm doing. I'm multitasking. My family is in Smashburger, and they're getting some food for the road. This might not be interesting for everybody. No, this is interesting. I thought <laughs> I think okay. in Australia. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm going to Australia. That's more interesting. But what I'm doing is I'm packing the minivan because I had to put some shit in my carry-on. That's not so interesting. You want to talk about the fights? I want to know what t <laughs> what time is your flight? How I want to see how oh, Matt travels to the airport. I, I, I know the answer to that. It's at three. It's at three thirty. You think I'm all right? Two and a half hours for an international flight. How far are you from JFK? We'll go down a rabbit hole here. <laughs> yeah. This, you know what you did? You, you brought us down a rabbit hole. Um, I, I'm kind, I'm not that far from the airport. I'll get there with two hours, within two hours. Oh, okay, yeah. 
for an international flight? It's not that bad. Uh, no, two hours is fine. As long as you're there. If you're there within 30 or 40 minutes of now, you're okay. That's so good. All right. I, I don't want to see Matt uh, miss you his know, flight. You know that Smash Burger has gluten-free buns? I did not know that. Well, that alone is worth this call. Of course it is. Uh, now, have you had one? Uh, my, I, I, my wife wanted me to. All right, let me ask you something. In Australia is a... Hey, look, I got some high school friends. You guys are on my podcast. My old high school friends. These are in a couple of weird groupies. I know these girls. Oh, okay. They're happy to be on the podcast. So awesome. Girl, come on. We'll catch up. I got my family in there. Don't go nowhere. Yeah. So anyway, I, you know, I'm in my hood. So people will me. Now, let me ask you, too. That, this is a long flight. What have you brought? Now, are you flying over with Alice? He already there. Uh, Raising Al is there. Marab, Marab, I heard, I just saw on Facebook. He left, I think, yesterday. Aljo's going in a couple of days, and me and my my good buddy Ray Longo are going today. You guys are flying today. So what yeah. have you what have you brought with you besides perhaps something to eat to make the flight a little easier? Oh, I took well, I took some of my medicine already. You did. I I, I had an edible just to make sure I'm nice and smooth. And besides that, I'm I'm just uh, having a good time. I got ADD. Did you guys talk to anybody about the fights yet? You talked to who'd you talk to? We talked to Cubs so far, and Jamie and I have talked a little bit about the fight. We were just about to touch on Hermanson Cannoneer, and uh, I think that's when we had Cub on the. We had just started talking about them. And that dude is explo- explosive. So I mean, I want to talk. To when I get back. There's probably gonna be five fights since then. Sure, <laughs> but uh, I'm gonna want to talk about each one of the. There's so many good fights the other night, man. Yeah, some good shit went on. Was I oh, the only one that had faith what? in OSP? By the way, was I the only one with faith in uh, Ovin St. Pro? Oh. I don't think I did. I choose against him. I don't think we picked, but I mean, uh, people thought I was a little crazy to, to always go with OSP. I almost will never yeah, pick against him. Well, I don't know, man. I like he was playing the punching bag for the first fucking five minutes. The first five minutes were not looking. We're not looking positive. That's a good I'm point. Like, I mean, what the fuck? And then it just looked like he was able to just absorb all those shots and just roll with it enough where he wasn't taking a severe beating. And then, uh, fuck, man. I mean, that, that, I mean, how many times did he strangle somebody with that? Yeah, his he... third time, I think. Or is it his fourth? It's his, it might be his fourth, and and uh, I think it's his fourth. Man, it's amazing, dude. That's really amazing. I'm looking at my family at the same time. Listen, <laughs> um... What was I going to say? Cannoneer? I felt bad for the Joker, but uh, hey, man, let me tell you, Jared Cannoneer is uh, he's just a beast, dude. Yeah. The killer gorilla. I watched the I, uppercut I five like times. I couldn't it. see it. I, I kept going back and watching the punch. I guess it was the angle, but it was like Ali when he punched Liston. It was like I could not see the uppercut. I could see his arm move, but I couldn't actually see the punch. Man, I'll tell you, uh, I it was explosive. He's He's... He had, I mean, talk about a killer instinct for the yeah. killer gorilla. Yeah. Jeez, man. That yeah. thing was, that was wild, man. Yeah, and he was hurt after that. What? He was hurt on the ground badly after that. Oh, like, Jack, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that, that guy's a and, tough, and, tough and not guy. not to mention, yeah. not to mention, guys, uh, you know, uh, he, he had some, he, uh, Jared had to get out of some really shitty positions, man. He was on him. Yeah. Uh, the Joker, man, he was on him at his back. He was, yep. and then he, yeah, he, he kept his calm in those shitty situations.
and, uh, and and the second he had an opportunity, he just jumped on it and he was overwhelming, man. Yeah. That was wild. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we talked also a little bit, Jamie and I discussed Gilbert Burns against Gunnar Nelson, uh, which, again, Gilbert Burns was on very short notice. And uh, we love Gunnar Nelson, too. Um, he fought well, but it just seemed like, uh, you know, Gilbert beat him to the punch almost every time. Yeah, the fight got away yeah. from him, didn't it? It did, yeah. yeah. I, I think, I, if I remember correctly, Gunnar had a pretty good second round, or was it that he had one good round? I thought that Gilbert clearly won, though. Yeah. Okay. Uh Gunnar Nelson's a stud, but you gotta you gotta give some respect to Gilbert Burns, yeah. man. That was he was he was he looked for a guy coming in on two weeks' notice, correct? Yep. Yes. Shoot, yeah. he must have been already. He must have been in the gym. He looked confident throughout the walkout, throughout the fight. And uh, Gunnar Nelson's not an easy guy to take 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 care of uh, on a full camp. So right. I, I, that's another guy, man. Can't wait to see what's next for him. He looked he looked awesome. Awesome. Jiu-jitsu wise too, you know. Oh, Gilbert, you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, Gilbert. Sorry. Yeah, and we we pointed out. I guess uh, I don't remember who said it. It was one of the announcers said that they uh, neither one of these guys. At first, they were both a little bit hesitant. It seemed because neither one of these guys wanted to wind up on their back. Uh, they're both comfortable on the ground, but neither one wanted to wind up on their back to the other one. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, you don't want Gunnar Nelson on top of you. That's a freaking problem. <laughs> You know, but Gilbert, Gilbert was, man, he looked confident in his jujitsu, man. That guy's a, he's a black belt yeah. and he, he's a, he's a, he's, he's a bad mofo, man. Well-rounded. Well, when I think Gilbert Burns, I think well-rounded. Hey, say hello to the fan, by the way. Oh! <laughs> hello. That's man a huge Turner. bag of burgers. Yeah. <laughs> That's guys, awesome. Man, I gotta, I gotta get to the airport, man. I just want to say, uh. Awesome. That I missed you guys already. One more question for you, Matt. One more question. Yes. We just talked to Cub, who is fighting Crone Gracie uh, October okay. uh, 12th. What do yeah. you think of that? I know you're close to the Gracies. Uh, Listen, man. I, I think I think Cub. I, I you know I'm I'm going with with, with Crone Gracie because I think I don't believe Cub's gonna have what it takes standing to to, to keep him off him. You know, and Cub's got the gra- Cub's not. He's not horrible in grappling. He's, he's he's real good, but there's different levels, obviously. Yeah. And Crone is at the highest level. So, I, I, I it's a great fight, though. It's a great test for Crone because it's a, definitely a step up from the very dangerous Bruce Leroy. Who he had his, his, can you see me? Yep. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it's, it's a step up in competition for sure because Cub is a stud. But I expect big things from Crone Gracie, man. So, I think this is another... This, I, I believe he's going to submit him. I'm excited for it. Though. Yeah, I am too. That's a great card. That Tampa yeah. card is yeah. shaping up to be really, really good. Well, have a safe flight, Matt. We're happy to talk to you, and I, I'm hey, glad man. we have to, to say hello. Definitely, and uh, I'm going to be Skyping in, or if I'll get that Skype shit thing uh, figured out. Marab's great with all that shit. He'll, t- he'll get me straight, and uh, I, I'm going to be calling into the, uh, the Wednesday show. All right, buddy. We'll talk awesome. to you Wednesday. Take, Take care, care, guys. Bye, right, man. See you, man. Have a good care, trip. Man. Later, guys. Bye-bye. Yeah, well, you know that. I mean, Gracie and Cub, and it's it's different because Cub is better on the ground than uh, Jared Cannon here is. Right. But I, 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 you know, I will almost always go with the guy who's incredible on the ground because you figure he's going to get a shot to take somebody down. Right. Um, that's why that Hermanson fight was such a shock. Right. Not that he lost, but uh, that he was able to get up and that yeah. and that he was able to finish him because you know, again, Hermanson is very tough. That, that was a, that was a shocking yeah. way for that fight to end. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, and I like what Matt 
give the credit to the lad because it's just not easy when a man's determined and he's strong, athletic, with confidence. I mean, that I don't think the man's been any more confident. And getting finishes on the ground too against someone like Dave Branch, it's no joke. And then still that guy just hangs in there and then finds his moment. And in any round, I think a man with that kind of athletic prowess is going to be a problem. You know, it's funny. I did try to watch the punch, and I just I, I kept seeing it from that one. I, I mean, I saw. I knew he threw the the punch, yeah. but like I just couldn't see the uh, uppercut. I really wanted to see that from another angle. Yeah, because um, that just it floored him and ended the fight. Yeah. There's a, an interesting um, thought I feel um, as far as grappling is concerned, and it's not it's not to demean grappling. I love grappling. I think jujitsu is probably, if not, yeah, it is the, my favorite art in terms of. It's technicality and it's it, it's an equalizer or more than an equalizer. But when you get two people who are competent, it's much harder for the man practicing jujitsu to apply his game than the man defending jujitsu. The man who has to apply his, his his submissions has to make a number of things correct, and they can't be too far off if at all. Whereas the man looking to stop that, they really only have to do one thing in that series. And it can throw everything off. So any man who's Khabib or um, expert like that who's doing well, um, Damian Meyer, people of that that right. realm, anyone who can do that is exceptional because it's very hard to apply those things consistently and make them work when it's much easier for the... Not much easier, I shouldn't say it like that, but right. it's definitely easier to just stop that stuff by doing one or two things. Because you know what... If someone's shooting for takedowns, you know what they're going to do. Yeah. So that's basically you just kind of you have to stop that. You have, yeah. you have to stop it, and you have you. It, it's, that's why when guys pull it off, fight after fight, it's like Jesus. Yeah, we knew what you were doing, and you still did you it. You still couldn't stop it. Yeah, and and there's a lot of small technical aspects in submissions that you can miss on the ground. It's an inch this way, or just getting the hand in that position, and that's it. Your submission's not going to work, and you have to be able to recognize that too, and not put all your energy into it. It's such a subtle game, and and I feel like um, I like seeing those kind of games where like. Who's gonna Who's gonna be able to manipulate? You know. See, I always thought of it just the opposite. Again, from obviously a non-fighter, is that a guy on the ground? Even though there are such little intricacies to getting the submission, even if he can't get the submission, will be able to at least tie you up and get some ground and pound, or at least wear you out, or at least you know put his weight on you. There's so many things you can do when you're on the ground. Uh, whereas if, if somebody is striking, there's obviously different ways to strike, but it just seems like you know, I have to watch out for, I, I can't get punched yeah. or I can't get kicked. But I guess thinking of it that way, uh, that's all you have to avoid is the takedown. Yeah, and, and even on the on the the when you're on the bottom and the person's on top, if they're going to hit you, there's a way to do it. And the, the complete, what you want is space. If someone's trying to hit, you know, sorry, submit you, you develop some space between you and them. It's hard for them to submit you because there's the space; it's not tight anymore. And then when the space is there, they can strike. But when the space is there, they can get their knees in front, they can get their feet back in line, and they can start standing up. So it's kind of funny because if you if you just, you know, unaware of those situations, if you're not educated, you just try and wail away at people. And the next thing you know, they're on their feet, or they've swept you, or they've put you in a bad position. So it's you have to be conservative with your striking on the ground when you know when the person knows what they're doing, and you have to get the right position before you do strike. I'm always amazed too at, at the guys on the ground when uh, when they give somebody space when they're pounding on somebody and they give them space just because they know they're going to try to give up, they're going to give up their back and right. their neck. Yeah. And that's always fascinating to me that in that situation, somebody is smart enough and comfortable enough to know, all right, if I give them a little, 
you know, space, he'll turn over and I'll grab, I'll, I'll grab yeah. his neck from behind. That's, that's always such a, I would panic so much in that situation and not think one step ahead. Yeah, the, and the camps develop that as well. Um, sometimes I've seen fights where high-level people end up getting submitted with something relatively basic, and you think to yourself, did they do any? You know, did they put themselves in a in a bad position during that camp, or did they just do what they you know what they're comfortable with? Because some some fighters will give up the back because they've got super confidence in their ability to defend it, and maybe they've been specifically working on that stuff, and then. That's what happens sometimes in a fight. They give up a position, but it's not so bad. Whereas other people, they're not training for it. They're, they're, a lot of people don't fix their mistakes, to be honest with you. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Did you see Kutalaba against uh, Khalil Roundtree? That was a really, really interesting fight. Uh, it ended, uh, 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 he killed, uh, Khalil lost uh, TKO due to elbows. But uh, man, Kutalaba has a lot of energy. He's a smaller guy at right. that weight. But what, what a tremendous amount of energy. And for a while I thought, all right, Roundtree is going to weather this. He had come out with a little less energy. Uh, like, did he punch himself out in, in the first round? Right. Nope. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> They said Khalil is doing a lot more like Thai boxing and he's like living in Thailand. Yeah. And I, I guess he's taking a different approach. Right. I always enjoy watching him. I like him a lot. Um, but that was uh, well, well done by uh, Kutalala. Yeah, it's nice to see people evolve, you know. And what do you think of Adesanya against uh, Whitaker? Man, that's a, that's a super exciting fight. I love that both from that side of the world as yeah. well. I mean, I know he's Nigerian, I think, uh, Adesanya, but he grew up in New Zealand, right, Or he? I think so. Yeah. yeah, that's my understanding. Um, but yeah, man, that's really exciting. I I love that Australia, New Zealand, around there, their the fighters are showing up in, in such high level because it's not, you know, again, it obviously becoming a global sport now, but it's not as well known that the fighters can come from there, and absolutely they can, especially the islands and stuff with the Samoans and the and the Maoris and my man, those fellas, those women, bred for fighting. You know, yeah. it's incredible uh, history there. Um, I had a friend many years ago, uh, a Maori guy. He's one of my teachers' teachers, and um, he was a legend. He was a tough, tough man. And he, uh, yeah, man, he, they used to do the the um, is the haka. I think it's a, a dance yeah. for the um, uh, I wish, oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. That was a terrible impression of it that I just did. But, but, <laughs> but you know what I mean? They like it's like talking to dead ancestors there or something. It's like yeah, a ritual. Yeah. yeah, it's phenomenal. I learned uh, that from Once Were Warriors. Did you ever see that film? What a film! Man. It's a great movie about the Maoris. Yeah. Fantastic film, um, and sad too. You know what I mean? Because culturally, it's not a lot of opportunity sometimes in places, and and like, but man, 
lovely people and a, a phenomenal culture, you know, fighting culture. And they say, uh, Adesanya was interviewed, and he thinks he said he's going to pick Whitaker apart. And again, you have to obviously predict that you're going to win. But a guy like Whitaker, man, he's such a tough guy. I mean, 10 straight rounds with Yoel Romero. Um, he's fierce, man. He's a very difficult guy to beat. Yeah, I think um, I think you're right. Structurally, in his mind, that's uh, or physically, but structurally, I think his mind is built for it. It's like, man, that's a man you'd have to kill. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> to stop, like, is a determined person. You can just see it. So, yeah, it's going to be very interesting because um, Adesanya brings such an unorthodox approach and such a um, like a confidence. It's it's really nice. It's nice to to uh, to be able to be in that situation where you're going to see those guys compete. And by the way, I, uh, everyone thought I was crazy when we were talking about Jeremy Stevens and Yaya Rodriguez and the shit that happened at the end of the fight. I Again, I thought Yaya, it was shitty of him to say what he said to Jeremy. You're a pussy, blah, blah, blah. But I said that a part of them both knew that there's a camera going and they want to drum up it. Again, I didn't, I, did, I didn't disbelieve the sincerity of their anger at each other or that moment. Right. But I do think both guys were aware. And Matt told me I was crazy. No, I had nothing to do with it. And now all of a sudden, it's the uh, they're fighting October. It might be the twelfth. Uh, it's probably on the sheet, and I can't see it. But it's a co-main somewhere. <laughs> yeah, uh, they're already, and they're calling it a grudge match. Wow. So I'm wondering if this little bit of uh, shit that they went through at the end uh, had anything to do with the immediacy of rebooking it. Now they may have rebooked it anyway, just because it was an incomplete fight. But to me, that just drummed up a little bit of extra interest in it, the fact that they had this run-in after. Yeah, yeah, it's very, uh, yeah, it was, it was an interesting situation. Uh, listen, man, thank you, Jamie, for coming in. And again, Alex, uh, thank you to Cub for calling in. Uh, Cub Swanson fighting uh, Crone Gracie October the 12th in Tampa. And uh, also good to hear from Matt. Yeah, it was cool. As well. Um, Before he takes a four-week trip to Australia. I know, stoned, <laughs> eating burgers, getting onto a plane. Good for Matt. Uh, is he back next week or no? All right, is he flying back on the... I guess so. Sunday. We gotta work it out. We'll figure it out. Doesn't, I, I, doesn't it take like two weeks just to get back? Dude, it's it's literally <laughs> faster to take a boat the other way. <laughs> it's a long... I've done the flight one time when I was doing a festival there, a comedy festival. It's a, it's a long flight. Yeah, I, I lived there for, for once for a year. Where? In Australia. I was in Sydney, and then I traveled up the coast. Um, I had a, that's a wonderful country. You know? Did you do in Sydney, before we go, I did the Sydney Harbour Bridge Walk. Did you do that? I'm afraid of heights. Yeah, I've done that. It's yeah. scary, isn't it? Yeah, it's frightening. I don't know why I did it. Me neither. Yeah, I was like, I don't like heights. Let me walk up this bridge. The worst part is when you're crossing in between the spans and looking at the road because it's a, it's a, it's a, a graded walkway and there's something horrifying about being that high up. Even though you're belted in and you're not going to fall and it's all you know steel cables. But none of that matters when you're that high. No. You know, I had a quick story about that. Uh, you know Paul Hogan, the comedian? Sure. I had even, I don't know if this is true. It's probably complete bullshit, but I'm going to say it now anyway because it's... Complete bollocks. Because it's total bollocks, yeah. Um, I heard he used to paint the bridge. That was one of his jobs. Was he a bridge painter? That's that might be true. I mean, who would make that up? I mean, <laughs> you know? Yeah, to impress the lady. I remember when, <laughs> before his films too, he was he a talk show host as well? Didn't he have a talk show, Paul Hogan? He definitely had a show, a comedy show. He had the Paul Hogan show. The Paul Hogan show, I remember. Because that was on in England. Yeah, we used to watch I used to love his show. I don't remember how I saw it, uh, unless they were re-showing it like on BBC or something many, many years ago. It's before Crocodile Dundee, so yeah, it was, yeah. I knew who he was when that came out. So it was obviously on some weird channel at Benny Hill or, or uh, you know, Monty Python played on. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, just uh, thank you guys for listening. And, uh, you know, sorry, we promised you Alex Ponovich and did not get him. Hopefully everything's okay. Cub Swanson, thank you. Matt, talk to you soon.
Goodbye. Thanks, Jamie. Cheers. Thanks. Oh, wait, do you want to plug anything? Uh, No, not really. All right, me neither. I'll be at the Stress Factory <laughs> coming up. By the way, that was me just asking you to plug so I could plug. I'm going to be at the Stress Factory this coming week, uh, in two weeks from now, and I'm going to be in uh, Denver at the Comedy Works in three weeks. So just go to my website if you want to see me. If not, I understand. <laughs> see you. Bye, Jim. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois.